Here's some of the great news. The incredible news that we learned last week by way of refresher and by way of introduction, if you weren't here last week. We are made in God's image, and He is very relational. He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit already. He is a relationship. He is a family. He is a community. And we are made in this image to be highly relational. And that is fantastic news. Because God has designed us to be in relationship and is going to make it work. And what is more, it says in Romans 8.32, this incredible just tidbit of information that you really want to lock away inside because it's so real. It says, if God is for us, who can be against us? People, we have a God who is for us. He is not against us. God really wants you and I to succeed in our dating and marriage relationships, our recovery from hurt, our recovery from loneliness, whatever it is, or our life of singleness, he calls us to that. The bad news is we don't operate in a neutral environment. There actually is a devil, uh, the scripture teaches us. Like in John 10, 10, it says, uh, and it calls him the thief. The thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy the devil is seeking to destroy any good that could happen in a relationship or to steal one from happening. The devil wants to ruin all that is good for God. And so, and so we aren't trying to do this whole dating and marriage game in a neutral environment. There's opposition to doing it God's <coughs> way. That makes it even more challenging, huh? Wow. But the good news is that God is for us. He's not against us. The devil will try to get us to, to think in our head that God is against us. And he's trying to keep us from having all this wonderful relationship stuff. But actually, no. God's only trying to help us process the whole thing. Because it's becoming like him more and more as we do that. And we are designed by God himself for a personal relationship with him and with other people. That's his wish for us. It's really cool. He designed us to live our lives in a community of his people. But have you noticed, some human beings are not his people yet. We live in a culture that is walked away from the creator. And so that creates another tension, doesn't it? Hey, and I really like this one we talked about uh, last week, is that um, we have some primary instruction from Jesus. Um, what was it? We're doing a series called Love Is, and then what was the line? Love is uh, God's master plan. So we know that God is all about love, and he wants to put his love in us. So check out this primary instruction. I think this is uh, slide number two. Well, that was slide one. Love is, there primary instructions. There it is. Primary instructions. These are words from Jesus. You see what he says? He's given us a new way of life. A new commandment. He says, you should love one another as I have loved you. That you also love one another. By this all people will know you, my disciples, if you love one another. Says, In the same way that I love you, Pete, you need to love one another. It's all about love. That's fantastic news. It's our primary instruction from Jesus himself. 
What else did we learn last week? Well, we learned that we ought to be thankful that he's given us his Holy Spirit to help us, and we can ask him um, for guidance and instruction all the time. We have a personal dating and marriage coach that lives inside of us as soon as we give our life to Jesus Christ. We have a life coach that will help us through every aspect of life in the name of the Holy Spirit. Um, how are you doing? Asking God's Spirit for direction and coaching. That's what it's all about. We got another slide here that um, shows us John 14, 26. What did Jesus teach us about his spirit? He says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things, and he will bring to your remembrance all things that I've said to you. Would you like a teacher? Would you like somebody to coach you how to do this male-female thing? How about you, Kayla? Nice. Good job. <laughs> I try to pick on my friends every now and then just so that they know that I care. Tonight's message is titled Love is Practical and Sometimes Romantic. <laughs> but our culture is kind of like love is all about slobbery and sharing spit. <laughs> and getting our bodies into pretzels, and it's not practical. Okay, sometimes I just say weird things. Just roll with it. Here's a question for you. Dating for? Well, the next slide gives us a hint. Dating is training for love, not for sex. Because sex comes really easily. You don't need training. You just need to wait till marriage. <laughs> Sex is easy. Love is hard. Loving a member of the opposite sex can be a challenge. Have you noticed they're a bit different? One sex smells good. <laughs> the other sex only sometimes. <coughs> One sex is like prone to talking. Not all of them. And the other is prone to grunting. <laughs> One sex is like prone to, I must go save the world, or at least play video games where I save things. <laughs> okay, some girls. <laughs> and, and another sex is all about like talking again. And, and like, I married one of these, and they like like shopping. What? Why would Why would you do that? I don't get it. Anyway, they want to acquire more and more things, like stuff that they put on their feet even. They run a lot of them. What is that? Anybody
this still on? Yeah. Okay, good. Okay, where were we? So we're talking about the differences between sex. Okay. So dating really is, is a training ground for love. Um, this is a major point that I have. We'll just back. Yeah, we're gonna work with it. Jesus gave us this new command. It's our new way to live all of our relationships is learning to love. You know how heretofore in your life you've had friends because you want them? And you want them to meet a need in your life, and you like having that social need met. And we all want that. And, and we want lots of things in our life to help our life go well. Jesus says, well, now you're in my life, and I want to teach you how to, to add value to all your relationships, where you're actually thinking, how can I constantly give to the other person? How can I constantly help their lives? How can I be a servant to them and not just get something from them? So, I wanted to point out a little bit about this whole sex thing going on in our culture. Did you know that the way our culture does sex is not necessarily loving? You thought about that? We live in a culture where sex is a lot about making, and oftentimes it, it ends up being quite harmful. Not your head if, if you're somewhat aware of it. And, and our whole world, in fact, is really messed up sex, which is God's beautiful and great gift to us. And we are all in the process of changing kingdoms from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, to the kingdom of God's own son, Jesus. That's Colossians 1, 13 and 14, and we hit that last week. So, in our culture, it seems like there's this high priority of get all the sex you can. Experiment, do whatever you want is cool. Sex. I'm <laughs> really not sure that that is the most beneficial approach. But sex might be, according to God, designed this amazing thing in the context of security and lifelong intimacy where you can actually communicate. And make it just the most beautiful thing that's possible. Yeah. So our priority is to learn to be loving. So that when we do get married, we can have great sex. Now hold on. Okay, hold on. Hold on. Some of you have already kissed. I can tell there's a lot of, a lot of kissing experience out here. And you know it's good. Maybe, maybe you're still kissing, aren't you? Just because you got married doesn't mean you stopped, right? It's still good? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you know what happened to Tony and Melissa. They kept kissing. <laughs> Things can happen. It's great. And I don't know where I'm going with this. Whereas our culture, sex is really not based on loving, but on really lusting, on taking instead of giving. In God's kingdom and, and under his economy, we're learning to be a blessing to the other person, to enhance their life, to build them up, to make them stronger and better person by the way we do sex. And that's why we do to the safety and the security of a lifelong intimacy of marriage. But okay, 
Okay, so there has been some kissing going on, I'm sure, by some of you, and you aren't married. So what are we going to do about that? Nothing. <laughs> but okay, maybe you went farther than that, and you have some residual sex, guilt, and shame, yeah? I know about that. And so, did you know that we have a God who is so cool about forgiving and about second chances and about the empowerment of the Spirit when we do our redo, we can do it right after we do the redo? Yeah. You guys, we can go on to secondary virginity. We can do it right the second time around. He can make us whole. He can forgive us and take away all our shame. First John 1 9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful. He's just and he will forgive us our sins. He'll cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. Take away our guilt and shame. He'll build us up. He'll get us to a place where we aren't afraid to reboot and try again to do it this way. Does that sound like good news? Maybe you want to process that with somebody you trusted in the church Christian. Hmm. What is dating supposed to be for? Dating is a place where we get to learn to be loving and understand people who are different from us, where we get to learn to be serving of others. Because God has tried you and He's abandoned Himself and because He loves you all the time. And because we're made in this image, this great focus we're going to have, and everything we do in this kingdom is all about obeying commandment to love one another sacrificially just like he loved us. And one of the best places we can learn that is in the context of marriage. And of course dating is how we get used to relating to the other sex and how to love them. If we can be married someday, if that will be what we and God decide we are. So how often do we get to love the sacrificial way of this new commandment that Jesus gives us? New commandment I give to you that you love one another as I want you. So should you love one another. How often do we, do we get to do that? Well, multiple times every day. Every day of every week, even weekend. <laughs> even when you're watching football games and they lose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, it's all the time. We stop. Most of us, we just have to be loving like some of the time. God wants us to be loving all the time. God's very practical. He wants our marriages to work, and so he wants to coach us to be loving all the time. Yeah. Did you know when you get married, some people don't want to do the dishes, even though they said they would? And did you know when you get married, sometimes people don't want to put all their shoes away, even though they thought that they might. And sometimes people don't even want to go to bed when they agreed for the fourth time that they would go to bed at a certain time, because that's when you like to go to bed, and they thought, well, they should be loving. And then they don't. Did you know that marriage is a lot of that kind of stuff? Right. <laughs> There's some learning. Hey, maybe you could um, you could write this down or something. Dating is where we learn to love a member of the opposite sex, <laughs> not where we learn to experiment with sex. Okay. 
slide that says love not love. Good. What, what does 1 Peter 4 say? 1 to 5. You can turn there because it's a long one. I can't install while I see you. Peter 4. Very good. Therefore, since um, Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. To stop sinning does create some hardship, a sense of suffering. Okay? A sense of denial of self. Uh, as a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. There's a transformation as we go from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, where we stop living for our own desires. Start living for his desires. And it takes us a while to figure out that his desires are good, because we've been used to our own desires. Does that make sense? Okay. I like verse 3. For you already spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, and that's just a fancy Bible word that means non-Christian. It does not mean any disrespect in that original language. They're just basically translated original language. It just means non-Christ followers. That's all it is. You spend enough time in the past doing what non-Christians choose to do, living in debauchery. Boy, we don't use that anymore. That just means being out of control in certain ways. Look it up. Living in debauchery, lust, we know all about lust, drunkenness, we know all about that. Orgies are some of the parties you go to where there's a lot of making out right there where everybody can see it. Um, carousing, ooh, boy, I like that one. And detestable idolatry, the worship of other things besides God. They're surprised that you don't join in with them in their reckless, wild living. They heap abuse on you when you stop doing it with them. But they will have to give an account to him, that would be God who is ready to judge the living and the dead. We cannot forget that there is a judgment. We will be held accountable for every action and inaction in our whole life. So the next slide says, marriage is the only place for sex. And I just have to assure you that sex with a marriage is awesome. I like it. We can have it whenever we want. We trust each other, we care about each other, we listen to each other, we coach each other. Wow. It's good. Just like Dr. Jones. I know she's not going to leave me for someone else. And if she's not going to cheat on me, she's going to be there. I'm going to be there for her. Always and forever. What can we learn from 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 through 8? We have a volunteer who's going to stand up right now and read 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 through 8. For you know what instructions we gave you by 
anything you're addicted to, probably should stop right now. Because you'll still be addicted to it, addicted to it later. Okay? So let's not do those things anymore. Like, Sarah, get rid of your video games. You're probably addicted to them. You know, stuff like that. Sarah's my friend, so I know that I can pick on her. But I just pick on my friend. You know that I pick on you. You're very good. Okay, what about Ephesians 5, 1 through 9? We've got a reader. Uh, Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. But fornication and all uncleanliness uh, or covetousness, let it not even be named among you, as is fitting for saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor, co- nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, or covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the world. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Thank you very much. So, um, we should follow God's example of sacrificial love in verses 1 and 2. And verse 3 says, not even a hint of any kind of sexual immorality. So, I guess we just got to get rid of you know, all this making out that is going too close to having intercourse. We're going to get rid of all the intercourse before marriage. We're going to get rid of the porn, all the masturbation, all the mental fantasizing, um, all that being excited as girls talking about all the guys. Girls are just as lustful as guys, and they're always welcoming and encouraging lustful people. God is God. Yeah, and did you notice the part about God's judgment again? If we keep practicing these behaviors, we are not going to be in the kingdom of God. And we know that alternative is hell, and that's not a very pleasant place. So we turn to evil all the time. So how about Ephesians um, 5, 10 through 20? We have another person. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, rather expose them. It is shameful to even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to, to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So if we have to find out what pleases the Lord, the best way to do that is like in the Bible. And you know, Bible study on the Bible, you guys already know that stuff. And we have to have nothing to do with the deeds of darkness. So nothing to Examine how you're doing. How close to nothing are you? You got some things that's not nothing, is it? So it's kind of a radical answer.
reputation of, of stuff. Don't cut it off, throw it away, be done with it. And again, that'll probably take some encouragement from people that you, you know and love and, and can trust, right? It's not easy to get free from stuff. So anyway, build those relationships of, of trust, you know? Go to corporate, hold each other accountable, encourage one another. So it has nothing to do with the deep desire. And we have to be very careful of this, I would say. Not just sort of careful, not careful five days a week, but careful, very careful how we live. And it says we have to make the most of every opportunity, not just some opportunities. And it says, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. We have to know it and do it. And, and instead of being drunk on wine like our culture or whatever we get intoxicated on, now there's many options, um, we can be intoxicated with God's Instead of being controlled by a substance, we can be controlled by God's spirit. How many have ever been pretty happy in the spirit? Uh, I think that's good. Okay. I think uh, there's another slide, isn't there? Yeah, we need to learn to love, live to love, and not be loved. You might want to write that down because. We've all been seeking that special person or that special something or that job or career or that possession. We want we want things to make us happy, that that's going to satisfy us. Um, and I think we're suffering under some sort of a delusion that another person can meet all of our deepest needs. Anybody besides me suffer that delusion? Yeah, I know. Another human being is just screwed up like you are. All of us are kind of screwed up. So why do you think that there's somebody who's not screwed up is going to meet all your needs? Uh, it's okay. That's illogical. But, uh, <laughs> but we persist in it because we want that so badly. Do you know where we find that one person who can find our needs? His name was Jesus Christ. We were designed to get our needs met by him. And the other people who are very serious and very close followers of Jesus, they can help fill that need too because they're learning to sacrificially love. Okay. Whew. So, what does Philippians 2, 3 through 5 say? Well, we can turn there and find out. I'm almost done. Very close to that Ephesians one. Paul writing to the church in Philippi and says, Make my joy complete by being like minded. Uh, having the same love, being one in spirit, one in mind, and don't do anything out of selfish ambition. Don't live by vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. There it is. There's our message tonight. Learning to love. In humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, each of you to look also to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus. What does Acts 20.35 say? I quoted it last week. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Okay. Let's close out with the last slide. Want some practical tips on where to get started on how to become more dateable and marriageable? Here's some good ideas. Like, don't cohabitate. Uh, like, some of us think it's okay to kind of be married before we're married. Give it a practice shot. Some people, you know, it's 
because you've got to test drive the other person before you know if they're compatible sexually, they're compatible to live with. That's a bunch of, uh, how do you say it? Baloney. Kielbasa. Something like horse puppies. Yeah, it's just not true. Um, so, but don't cohabitate. It's, it's not right to even pretend to cohabitate. Like, you know, it's just so late. Uh, why don't you sleep on my couch? Why don't you sleep on the floor of my bedroom? Okay, why don't you just sleep next to me? Yeah, that kind of thing. This is pretending. This is just not acceptable. Like, um, you know, what if you're in a relationship with a non-Christian? I just think you should not stay in that relationship because you're not practicing learning to, to really love sacrificially and receive sacrificial love. Uh, somebody does not yet have that ability because the Holy Spirit's not in them. So it's probably a fruitless relationship. Better to get out of the relationship and encourage them. Why don't you decide first whether you want to follow Jesus? Because he's the center of my being, and you know we can never make a life together. You weren't going in the same direction. You'd be going in different directions. And I have nothing against people who aren't following Jesus yet. I have tons of friends who aren't following Jesus, and I love them dearly, but they are not going in the same direction. Uh, and number three, don't fantasize about the future. Build it instead. A lot of us are spending a lot of emotional energy just imagining and dreaming about those experiences with, the, with that guy or that girl. Turn off the brain instead of fantasizing about it. Why not take steps to build a real future? Learn to be loving and giving. Get a control over your brain in every aspect of your life. So you'll learn to love and serve so that you can have a marriage that will last a lifetime. Yeah, and there's some stuff we can do to like do get some accountability. It's not easy in this culture. Talk to some really strong Christian friends here and say, hey, hold me accountable. I'm gonna start this relationship with, with this guy or this gal, and, and I want it to go well. Give me some feedback on how he's uh, how you see it going. Uh, and do have some clear boundaries. Like, you know, I just think it's smart to Say a certain time at night, you know, we don't hang out together because after a while you stop talking and all you can think of doing is, is putting your lips together and stop. And stop happens. The tired you are. Yes? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I don't have to make this any clearer, do I? Have some clear boundaries. And, and do go slowly in the relationship because, like, some of you just get so totally crazed out of your mind, like, somebody's paying attention to me, I can marry you. There are better some buddies than other buddies. Get the right huh. buddy. Okay, anyway. Let's pray that the worship team comes.